Hi, I'm Pete Kroll, and welcome to the Dollars and Change, the expert's guide to sustainable and responsible investing podcast. Uh, we are here in beautiful Huntington Beach, California, and uh, at the Future Proof Conference, and it's a conference on wealth management, and I'm really lucky enough to have Sarah Adams with me today from Vert Asset Management, who's also a good friend of mine. Uh, thank you for, thank for you. being here. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Let's start out with, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about uh, sustainable investing and how you sort of came into the field. Yeah, uh, traditional, um, uh, participated in financial services right out of uh, school. And uh, I always tried to get out of it, actually, because I was interested in more like corporate accountability. What can we do to... Uh, change the way things are done mm -hmm. in corporations, and I thought the way to do that was through law and policy. Um, so, you know, meander through financial services into the policy and law education, but find myself back in financial services at the uh, just after the Great Financial Recession because a project I was working on was actually convening different types of um, financial players, uh, accountants, insurance, uh, to how can we reform the financial system. Okay. And also at that time, there were a lot of social impact bonds and philanthropy was changing towards more social entrepreneurs. And I thought financial advisors really need to know more about this. So taking the past financial jobs that I had had and connecting that to today's environment. And so tell me a little bit about what your inspiration was when, when you started Vert and um, you know what, what was that what was that path like? Yeah, it was really seeing the financial advisor yeah. as a change agent. But Excellent. needing dollars and change, dollars right? And exactly. Change, but needing um, needing the investment manager to play along, right? And to to uh, to act action or activate uh, what they were doing in their investment management process to better serve the advisor mm -hmm. um, around corporate accountability. Okay. So that's really how uh, we started um, for asset management. Is that Sam had had a long history in mutual fund sales with financial advisors, and I had worked with financial advisors more on social impact bonds and mm -hmm. understanding that landscape, and that there just wasn't something there that matched up with a, uh, a business risk or a corporate accountability. What are the what can the businesses do differently that we're investing in? We don't want to make them our enemies exactly. Right. We're trying to invest in them. We are investors in the companies. How can we communicate to both the financial advisor and to the company on the other side of you the partner investment with them table. is what it yeah. sounds like you're saying. Yeah, more more be a partner and um, uh, kind of an advocate for how things were changing um, in the corporate and and then a little bit in the legal regulation side of things, mm -hmm. um, so that company so that companies knew that were investors were interested in that. Um, in a, in a more friendly, proactive way. So when you were deciding uh, about how to put this business together, or how this asset management business yeah. together, how did you guys come on uh, on real estate being your focus? Well, it, it was really, um, uh, Sam and I had done a survey of financial advisors to understand what their needs were. Mm -hmm. And real estate, a public uh, real estate access, something that was liquid was missing. Right. Um, and, and for sustainability, that is actually 
one of the best places to start because it's tactile and yep. we can all we all live in it and we're all in it most of the time. Yeah, right now we're not. We're <laughs> yes, <laughs> but actually we are in a structure. This is true. So if we, you know, we're not indoors, of course, but the materials that are used that we can see and touch that we're we're in contact with, this is a great way to communicate what sustainability can be. Like, what were the materials used for this in this instance? Um, but for real estate, you know, we live in it each day. We go to an office. Or if you're not in an office, maybe you're in an airport, a hotel, yep. all these different environments um, that you can understand how, you know, changing your light bulbs does impact the energy use in your own home. This is the same for a commercial size Just at a much building. bigger scale, Just right? Just a huge yeah. scale. Um, so it was tactile, it's tangible, but it was also a missing piece of a, a financial advisor's portfolio yeah. who's already doing ESG. Yeah, I know when we were putting our portfolios together, we always had to use a traditional, uh, a traditional, traditional yeah. real estate manager because we didn't have anything uh, to sort of fit that niche. Now the reality is, is a lot of REITs are already starting to transition into being more sustainable, but it's nice to actually have an asset manager who is focusing specifically on the ones who are the best in class in that area. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so let's talk about you know, real estate. I, I've heard numbers like 40% of our, of our emissions uh, are coming from the built environment. Right. Um, how can we reduce that? And how can we, us as, as investors, uh, really sort of embrace that? So uh, yeah, I mean, investing in real estate is is that actionable piece that you can is that tangible piece of how emissions reductions can happen. Um, it is forty percent of the world's energy use um, and thirty percent of the world's emissions. Okay. On the flip side of that, yep. so if those building owners are encouraged to uh, you know change out their lighting, change re revamp their HVAC systems mm -hmm. in a, in a timely way, because I think that is the um, kind of the the lull of the real estate owner is that they're generating income from 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 rent mm -hmm. and they don't need to change a lot right. of stuff until it breaks uh, but it's those um, building owners who are looking ahead and saying actually this can garner higher rents yeah. if I pay attention to my capex and invest for sustainability purposes in my building. Um, I have higher rent and maybe tenants that will stick around longer. Um, many of those, since we are invested in a lot of large publicly traded companies, a lot of those large publicly traded uh, REITs have large publicly traded companies as tenants who do have um, sustainability commitments of their own. Right. And through so they the, sort of yeah. partner up like So they that. partner yeah. up. And, and then the real estate is really a supply chain to all other types of companies right. because all, you know, Amazon has warehouses. REITs own industrial warehouses. Of yeah. and, and, and like data centers too. Data I centers. Was a big part of it this too. is going to power this being uh, uploaded to the internet. That's true. Somewhere. That, it'll it's probably be on Amazon or one of those things yeah. at some point. One of the things I noticed as you, you were talking about that just now is uh, how landlords sort of wait to the last minute to make changes. And I've sort of seen that as analogous to our culture 
in that uh, we tend to be more reactive culture as opposed to a proactive culture. And you know, I also can apply that to sustainable investing because you know, I look at us as sustainable investors as being proactive. You know, we're looking for what's happening in the next economy. Uh, does that ring true for you? Yes, absolutely. Um, it is definitely a leadership position to be more proactive because mm -hmm. it's unknown and you don't necessarily have someone or something to benchmark yourself to. Right. Um, we so, find that we find that yeah. all the time. You know, I, I like to say, you know, we can benchmark the next economy by by looking by, by using rearview mirror indexes. It just we just can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, so with the real estate companies that we speak with about this, mm -hmm. in a, you know, on the related topic overall about being a leader, those who are leading tend to be uh, either well resourced, or they have someone who's come into the company who's been very adamant about the next economy right. um, and they said you, it's a risk for us to take this leadership position but we're going to do it anyways because we think that it adds value to our end client mm -hmm. so in the real estate sector I think that rings true but also in the um, financial advisor space for those who have started to do sustainability, ESG, SRI, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Wait, yeah. Yeah. The acronym of the week, right? Please, yes. So, uh, so I'm going to give credit to my friend Garvin J. Bush, who runs the uh, the Green Alpha Funds, uh, for using the next economy term oh, because yes. that's their term. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that they've incorporated into that sort of philosophy is resource scarcity. And um, you know, we haven't talked about water, but I think water is also another important aspect of, of real estate and how buildings use it. You know, either for their chillers or for uh, you know, in, in a number of different ways. How does that apply to your investment strategy? It's, we do look at water. It hasn't been as um, uh, considered as the emissions reduction, mm -hmm. but it is the second after energy. It's the second resource used. Um, and what are ways that, that, that buildings you know, reduce their water usage or, or at least make it much more efficient? Well, there's a, so a couple of ways is low flow toilets, mm -hmm. of course, and those types of buildings that have a lot of occupancy, yeah. uh, residential office. Um, some office buildings have uh, the non-potable water, a purple pipe. Um, and so that's a way to you reuse water in the building that is typically a wastewater. Like the, gray water kind gray of stuff, water. yeah. Um, but that does require certain occupancy. Level. Okay, okay. <laughs> so for offices that have started to use that, some can't take full advantage of it because gotcha. it does need to have a certain capacity. Um, there's the irrigation systems outside the uh, building. Uh, that is low flow irrigation and changing the plants to yep. be um, in line with wherever they are uh, in the climate like zone. Like xeriscaping and that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. Planting yeah. for your environment, yep. not the environment you hoped that you had your building in. Um, yeah, so those are Excellent. a few ways. One of the things that I really like about um, VERT is, is the way you report. Okay. Uh, your your uh, impact reporting is not just a whole bunch of text. You, you use graphics and you use uh, a lot of things that make it easy for uh, me as a professional, but also for the layperson to be able to understand, here's the kind of impact we're having, because that makes it easy for us as professionals to sell it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we still have to sell the concept of sustainable investing yeah. to, the, um, you know, to, to the end user, to the retail investor. So tell us a little bit about your reporting. 
reporting? So on the reporting side, um, we've found historically engagement has been reporting uh, their, the proxy proposals mm-hmm. or the shareholder proposals that would go to a proxy vote right. and then counting those. And there are uh, good ways to report on that and they're um, impactful. We haven't made use of that. So how we've, what we've tried to report on is how um, the companies have changed after our engagement with them on some systemic issues mm-hmm. um, around reporting. Right. And more information into the system means you know, better pricing. We hope more transparency so investors can, can accurately allocate their capital. And so the, what we've reported on is how those companies have changed, specifically around science-based targets. Mm-hmm. Have they set science-based targets? When we started engaging with them on science-based targets, has there been an uptick in committing to science-based targets? Right. Our reporting says yes, there has in REITs, in real estate companies. Um, similarly, uh, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures is, was a voluntary reporting framework and is still a voluntary reporting framework in many jurisdictions. Uh, we started asking companies about it when it was a voluntary reporting framework is now a mandatory reporting framework in the UK uh-huh. so there has been an uptick on companies uh, embedding um, that framework into how they report and that framework is significant because it has a governance piece okay. to um, the company's strategy and their overall an- analysis of risk metrics to the business where I think many many companies prior to TCFD could get a pass with the sustainability person down the hall in the basement. Gotcha. Now not dialing in probably. Right, <laughs> in right, this right. Context, yeah. Well, and and I, you know, you talked about Europe. Europe just sort of tends to be ahead of us on, okay. on a lot yeah. of different things. Um, you know, and 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 Bert, it, I'll, I'll point out, is a global real estate fund, so it's not just here in the states. So I think that that gives it a much much more street cred, if you will, from a sustainability perspective because of that. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. No, <laughs> I think so. I mean, the, yeah, when we speak to the different real estate companies around the world, there are definitely regions who are ahead and uh-huh. there is some peer-to-peer sharing of ideas. Um, so it is neat to see like a completely different industry, how they are iterating um, and how you know many real estate companies look to Australia to... to um, as like a guide, really? A guide, oh, I wouldn't, yeah, have, I wouldn't yeah. have known that. So Australia yeah. is a leader in this. On this, and then and then Europe, and then the okay. U.S. and then Japan to Excellent. put them in kind of rank order. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap you up with my my favorite last okay. question here. So um, we see so much negativity out there, in especially when it comes to. Um, climate-related events happening, you know, fires in Hawaii, or, you know, I know you live in uh, Southern California here, so you had a hurricane that uh, threatened you a few weeks back. Um, How do you, you know, in the face of all this, uh, and and all the, like, anti-ESG negativity and that kind of stuff as well, how do you maintain hope? Um, that's easy. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to give you a hard question for the last one, <laughs> or maybe I do. No. So uh, I do do a lot of mentoring with undergraduates uh-huh. for their career, and I do 
put myself out there as a sustainability expert and they come to me for that, um, what I have learned from them is that a lot of undergraduate curriculum is now interdisciplinary. Okay. So they can be in the bio track, but they can also participate in the poli sci track. So there's some cross, um, like cross pollination with the education. So it's not just one area that a person is studying. So I, I feel like from uh, the early days of someone's career already, if they're going to college first, they're getting a interdisciplinary look. And sustainability is all about interdisciplinary um, approaches. And so I feel like those students who are coming into the the workforce from there are already better prepared than someone like myself who had to kind of piece it together right. and go down many doors you know, that were closed or try to break through new ones. Yeah. Um, so I think that there is a lot of hope because the people coming into the workforce are just more interested. Yeah. You know what? We're not going to retake that one because no, yeah, he fine. came out. He came in through right at yeah. the end there. Uh, that's something uh, you haven't seen because we've cut most of that out. Oh, but, no. um, but not that. But you know, the folks going back and forth behind us here at the uh, at the conference. Anyway, Sarah, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Yeah. It was really interesting, and I hope our our, our listeners and viewers uh, love it as well. Thank you for coming thank out. Thank you.